Good night, Winchester. I am your host. No, fuck. All right, I'm back. And um, again, I apologize for the length of some of these. Um, I don't intend for them to be long, but I realize that a lot of people listening are not, they're not going to have the knowledge that I do, right? You're not going to have the backstory. You're not going to have the buildup um, and, and all that that I do. And even my close friends, right? Like the people that listen, um, Obviously, you know, I always shout out AP, but also, you know, Camden, you know, Camden uh, Cutlip is going to be listening. He's not going to know all these things about me, even though Hunter lived them. Alex knows, Alex has seen a lot of these play out, but she doesn't necessarily know how he got to those points. And I don't expect either of these people to have seen the terrible film of Point Break from 2015. It's not my favorite film of all time. It's certainly probably the most influential in my life. Uh, but it's not a good movie, right? It's not. I would have done it a, a lot differently. I certainly enjoyed it. I think it's a must-watch, but it's not like a. Uh, it's not like a film or a cinema classic. You know what I mean? It's not in the top 100 films ever made. It doesn't have to be. It's funny though. The first one is. You know, that's the original Point Break from 1991 is considered by most to be one of the greatest films of all time. Not like up there with like The Godfather, but it is in the top 100 list. Um, the performances by young Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze uh, pre-cancer are very, uh, very true, very real, very believable performances. Just excellent acting all around, and their chemistry is is undeniable. And that's one thing that I think the new Point Break does have is the chemistry between Luke and Edgar. I think is is very great. And of course, Edgar. Is he plays Bodie, even though he's Venezuelan, so he's darker than Patrick Swayze, which his his story adds to it. Um, it's you know, obviously, people think Keanu Reeves is handsome, but a lot of people thought that Patrick Swayze was like the sexiest man alive. And I think a lot of people will say that Luke Bracey is handsome, but Edgar Ramirez is one of the sexiest men alive, truly. Um, so that has something going for it, anyway. Enough about point break, I could do a whole three hour podcast on the, uh, it, it would be a rhetorical criticism or a communications analysis of the Point Break films, specifically the 2015 Point Break film. Anyway, um, this post is from March 26th of 2021. It's a photograph of me on Millwood Avenue in Winchester. Uh, it's a beautiful spring day. Uh, you see the blossoms on the trees. I'm following a white, an antique white Volkswagen Beetle likely a 1965 Volkswagen Beetle, for what I'm telling from the photograph. Um, and this is the caption. So, you know, yesterday was my dad's second birthday post-Vetum, and I didn't really know what to do or say. I'm in a much different place than I was a year ago. I'm stronger now. I'm not over his life or his death, but I am better able to carry the weight. Nothing that I could do would do it justice. And nothing that I could say would reach his ears. So for the first time in a long time, I did something that I think he would appreciate more than anything. I had a great day. I spent time doing things that I love with someone that I adore. And I felt a wholesome acceptance, belonging, and comfort that I hadn't felt in so long. I did nothing more than to give and to feel love for my living. Like John Mayer said, it's the last thing that I've got to check out before I check out. I think that my dad would have appreciated the pure joy that I felt yesterday. 
And I think that my happiness would be all that he really wanted for his birthday. I love you, Roger. And I miss you every day. Pick me up, love. Every day. And there are some things I just want to point out there, obviously. Um, his second birthday, uh, post-Vedum. Post-Vedum is, is obviously post-life. Um, you know, he died in, in January and his birthday is in March. March 25th. Um, certainly not over it, but I am I am stronger. I am better able to carry the weight. And that's true, you know. I, I said this in another um, post. I don't know if I actually shared it or not, but, you know, grief and mourning, they don't change shape. They don't change size. We grow around them. And the more that we grow over time, the smaller the grief looks compared to us. So the the grief in the morning, it doesn't it doesn't lessen or shrink or get weaker or get smaller. We get bigger around it. And I, I think that's very that's very true. Um and you know, for the first time in a long time I did something that I think he would appreciate or had he would appreciate more than anything. And that's I had a great day. I had a great day. And I know that he, he would want nothing more than my happiness, right? He would truly want nothing more than my happiness. Um, and I spent the day doing things that I love with someone that I adore. I was talking about Cleo. Um, I felt a, a wholesome acceptance, belonging, and comfort that I hadn't felt in, a, in so long. And this quote is from a... a uh, I guess a monologue, I guess you would call it a monologue from um, Bold is Love off of John Mayer's live album, Live at the Nokia. Um, I think it the, the album is actually called something like uh, Where the Light Is. I think it's called Where the Light Is, which is uh, a reference to his song Gravity. Uh, but I call the album Live at the Nokia Theater because that's what it is. It's Live at the no- Nokia Theater. I think it's from 2000, I want to say 2007. Um, it might even be earlier than that. But John Mayer is playing Bold as Love. And towards the end, towards the, the second half uh, or the second act of Bold as Love, he stops, uh, he stops singing, the band plays real low, and he goes on this monologue about love. And one of the things is that he, he truly just wants to give and to feel love for his living. Um, and then he says, it's the last thing that I've got to check out before I check out. And then he says, take me to take me to the solo one more time. Thank you. Um, it's a beautiful song. You should check it out. Um, and, you know, I think that my dad would have appreciated the pure joy that I felt. Uh, he would want nothing more than my happiness. And I said, and then, of course, I ended, I love you, Roger. Uh, I miss you every day. Pick me up, love, every day, which is, the you know, a quote, a reference to the song, Every Day, number 36 by Dave Matthews Band, the song that got me through the grief, uh, carried me through the mourning of my father. So thought that was pretty special. Uh, let's move forward. So on April 1st, April Fool's Day, I got my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, which is pretty cool. Uh, something that you know is obviously important, something I'd like to talk about uh, is, is the significance of the vaccine. Uh, everyone listening should get their booster if they haven't gotten it already. It, certainly get their vaccine uh, if they haven't been vaccinated already. Don't be an Aaron Rodgers, right? Don't be an Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's not cool, right? You're not going to go to the Super Bowl. You're just going to die uh, a slow, painful death, intubated. You can't even tell your loved ones that you love them before you go. Please get your vaccine. You know what I mean? So April 1st, um, I got my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, 
April 13th, uh, the, the picture that I posted on my Instagram, of course you can go and look at all these if you don't believe that I posted this shit for whatever reason. Um, Clee, I woke up and opened my front door at my house and there was a small vase of hand-picked wildflowers on my patio. Uh, so my note for the 13th, April 13th, Cleo got me flowers. Uh, and I should say Cleo picked me flowers because it was a small vase of hand-picked wildflowers for me to share uh, with my grandmother. Uh, and a, a note, that, a private note I'm not going to share. Um, and then let, let's see. Uh, this was towards the end of our relationship. Um, so on the 20th, which was 420, was a terrible day that I had. Um, 420 was, I forget all the terrible shit that happened to me that day. Um, but it was, it was certainly the day, uh, that the Alamo, I found out the Alamo had tried to commit credit card fraud against me, uh, which is pretty cool. Anyway, on 420, I was in Front Royal. I forget what I was doing over there in Front Royal. Um, but I saw a, I had to have been a 2010, 2011, just because of what it was, a 2010 or 2011 Nissan GTR at a garage in Front Royal, Virginia. A GTR, of course, Nissan GTR um, is they they don't call it a Skyline anymore, but that's what it is. Um, so it used to be uh, Nissan Skyline, and then the different generations they would be like Skyline GT and then R whatever. So like R31, R32. R33, R34 is the most popular. It's the one that Paul Walker drives in Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, and then R35, they don't call it Skyline R35. They just call it the uh, Nissan GTR. Uh, so GTR is uh, a car that's very significant in the street racing world, in the world of cars and gearheads. Uh, it's connected, it's forever, eternally connected uh, to the life and loss of the late Paul Walker, um, and they're rare, right? They're expensive and they're rare. They go for six figures, uh, six figures stock, pretty much, um, and, you know, it, it, again, if you've seen the Fast and Furious movies, it, pretty much every Fast and Furious movie from the second one on, so he doesn't drive one in the first one. There is one in the first one. He doesn't drive it. Lenny uh, of Dom uh, of Vin Diesel's group does drive one. But from the second film on, it's pretty much Paul Walker's signature vehicle is the Nissan GTR. Um, and I got to see one in person, which is totally rare and crazy, in Front Royal of all places. So that was cool. Um, and then let's see, I'm going to go see if this post was the right one. So the next day, um, the next day I, I shared this, I'm just going to read it to you real quick. So I said, I was cleaning out my phone and came across the earliest chronological conversation still in my messages with my father. This was the last exchange that I had with him. This was the last thing that I ever said to him. I've been going through it lately as always, but I can't really name a time when I wasn't. Ain't that the truth? That's a that's a vibe. Uh, I've been going through it lately, but I can't really name a time when I wasn't. I drove by our house yesterday, talking about our house on, uh, which was 230, 230 Short Street, Front Royal, Virginia, um, just to open those same wounds one more time. But it was different this time. 
like a great forest engulfed in flame. It was reclaimed by life. Ashes to ashes, as they say. And for the first time in 20 years, I felt peace there. The beginning of someone's new story became the ending to mine that I had never been prepared to write. Life filled the place that my soul always considered to be barren. Because in the midst of life, we are in death. So what's the point of this post? To remind you to say what you need to say. To love like it's the last day of your fucking life. And to trust that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But what does kill you makes you human. There is no more perfect phrase in the English language than I love you too. So, I just want to read that again. Um... And to trust that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but what does kill you makes you human. There is no more perfect phrase in the English language than I love you too. And the uh, post is a text message from December 26th of, of 2019. It's the last time that I'd seen my dad, last time I talked to him. Uh, and I texted him because we had had Christmas at my Aunt Tammy's house, and I texted him, I said, I made it home. And he said, I will see you soon. Keep in touch. We can hang out when you have time and you are looking for something to do. Thanks for coming over. I love you. And the last thing that I said to him was, I love you too. And there's, there's no more perfect phrase in this language, then I love you too, because it means that someone said I love you first to you, right? There's nothing more beautiful than that, that someone told you that they love you. That's a perfect moment, and there's no better phrase than I love you too, because that means that someone said it to you, and that you're saying it back, and that's the perfect way. If that's the last thing I said to my father, if that's the last thing that he held on to, when he was alone and his life was leaving him, if that's the last thing that he thought and the last thing he held on to before he died was the last thing I said to him was, I love you too, then I'm okay with that. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was really, you know. I One of the phrases I took there was, in the midst of life, we are in death. And that's a quote. I can't remember where it's from. Um, but truly it's a beautiful one in the midst of life. We are in death, um, because death is a process, right? From the moment you're born, you're dying and we are in the middle of dying. We're, we are in death, in death until finally we, we do die. So I just thought that was really beautiful. Um, the 23rd. So three days later, um, which is 10 days after the flowers, uh, I learned that I failed my second bar exam, the one that I took in February, and it's also the day that Cleo and I stopped dating. So, pretty bad day, right? <laughs> um, again, none of these are, are, ne- are necessarily good days, but <sighs> I'll read you this post. Um, this is another powerful one. At least I think it's a powerful one, but it, it you know, it, it's certainly... Uh, one to mention. So this was the 23rd. I failed the bar exam that I took on February 22nd. Um, so this was two months later. 
Uh, two months after the bar exam, I found out that I failed. And this was also the day that Cleo and I stopped dating. Uh, and so it says, yet again, I unfortunately did not pass the Virginia bar exam. I wanted you to hear it from the source because it's always better that way. While I am extremely heartbroken, I'll find a way. When I was five years old and my parents separated, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 17 years old and I had to say goodbye to Mo and Granddaddy Bill, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 18 and almost took that extra long step to the ground floor, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 19 and had to say goodbye to Scarlett, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 20 and had to say goodbye to Georgia, Willie, and Jennifer, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 21 and had to say goodbye to Paul Paul, I thought that I couldn't go on. I persevered. When I was 24 and had to say goodbye to Ivy, I couldn't go on. When I was 24 and had to say goodbye to my dad, I couldn't go on. When I was 25 and lost it all, got some of it back, and then lost it all again, I will persevere. You can only go through so many of the worst moments of your life before you realize that there can only be one and that the rest are just testing the power of will. Justin Nichols, my cousin, said it well. It's almost, what do you say? Said it well. It's about time that you failed something. But Dave said it best. What in the world would I sing for if I had it all? The pain and sorrow have always kept me going. Why should that be any different now? And um, again, you know, this is uh, anyone who doesn't know me, anyone who's not familiar with me, you just got a taste of it, right? You just you got a, a brief uh, a synopsis, a, a quick version, quick notes version of um, of my life and the things that I've gone through, right? So, you know, my parents separating, all of the people I've lost, all the people I've loved and lost. Um, but you saw the difference there, right? When I was 21 and I had to say goodbye to Paul Paul, I thought that I couldn't go on. I thought that I couldn't go on. When I was 24 and I had to say goodbye to Ivy, it wasn't that I, I didn't think that I couldn't go on. I just could not go on. It wasn't a mindset. It was true. I couldn't go on. When I lost my dad, I couldn't go on. When I was 25 and lost it all and then got some of it back only to lose it again, I was talking about finding Cleo and then obviously the bar, I persevered. And Justin, who's my older cousin, he was right. It's about time that I failed something. But what Dave said, you know, what in the world would I sing for if I had it all? It's from the song, If I Had It All. And Dave talks about all these things that he wants and, and that he wishes for and hopes for. But then he says, you know, if he had it all, what would he what would he strive for? What would he continue? What would he go on for? Uh, he said, you know, if I had it all, I'd fuck it up. And I just, I thought that was something to share. I thought that was um, obviously a big moment in my year. Not a positive one, but certainly a big one. 
Um, let's see what my next post is. So my next one is, um, so that was April 23rd on May 6th was, um, spec who is my, my cat. Uh, it was her 11th birthday. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I'll, I'll read you the post from that. You know, obviously a lot of these are, are, are long. Uh, so I'm going to run through some of these, uh, not read all of them, but, I do want to read this because I love spec and, and if she's ever one day, she's not going to be here. And so I do want to have this out there just to look back on and smile. Um, so I, I posted a picture of my cat and, and it says, happy 11th birthday, my love. You'd be something like 60 in cat years, but I don't like thinking about time. So I'll cut that shit right there. Instead, I'd like to talk about the lessons that cats teach us every day. Cats teach us that it's always better to be on the other side of a closed door and that you shouldn't be afraid to demand for the attention that you need. They teach us that rest is good, but rest in the sunshine is even better. The quality of possessions is nothing compared to the quality of experiences. So claw marks are just the sign of a good time. Be willing to sleep anywhere. Be willing to shit anywhere. Oh, and be willing to puke anywhere. You need all three sometimes. Be generous with your love, but be cautious with who you give it to. A healthy diet leads to a healthy smile and a healthy coat. A dead bird has more to offer you than a living one. But a living bird is still more pleasurable to look at. That being said... Ruffle some feathers. And above all, sometimes you need to bite the hand that feeds you in order to prove that you're fluffy but not soft. Thanks for the lesson, Spec. I love you. And man, I let me tell you, I thought of this shit, right? Like, it's funny, like, this isn't to toot my own horn. This isn't like a Lance uh, Greatest Hits album. But I thought of this shit, dude. I wrote this shit, and that was pretty good, dude. Like, I mean, obviously, I think everything I write is pretty good. But the lessons that cats teach us, and that was pretty fucking solid, right? Like, I could submit that to a Pulitzer. But um, it's true. The quality of possessions is nothing compared to the quality of experiences. So claw marks are just a sign of a good time. Be willing to sleep anywhere. Be willing to shit anywhere. And be willing to puke anywhere. You need all three sometimes. Isn't that true? Be generous with your love, but be cautious with who you give it to. Let's see. Sometimes you need to bite the hand that feeds you in order to prove that you're fluffy, but not soft. And that's me, dude. I'm fluffy, but I'm not soft. Um, I wanted to share that with you, obviously, because I love Spec, and I can't believe that she turned 11 and will be turning 12 uh, this May. But I really just want to take a moment to, to, you know, obviously express my love for her, even though she's not going to hear that. I mean, she probably can hear me because she's a cat and I'm speaking in my house where she also is. So she probably is hearing this, uh, whether they understand English is to be determined. Uh, but I do just want to, I do want to say thank you to the universe, to whatever. I think that nothing in this world compares to the love that felines give to us truly I've been around a lot of people. I've been around a lot of animals. I've been around a lot of a lot of things. I've experienced a lot of life, and nothing in this world compares to the love 
and the bond between humans and felines. And people will say, well, dogs, you know, dog is a man's best friend or whatever. Dogs are man's, men's best friend, however it goes. I disagree, dude. Dogs love you no matter what, right? Like, dogs will hump your leg just for looking at them the right way. You know what I mean? Dogs are like any man on the corner. Like, if you give them the right look, they'll start humping you. Cats, like I said, are cautious with who they give their love to. But once they determine that they don't have to be cautious and they can freely give it to you without fear, without, you know, remorse or anything, they are extremely generous with it. Dogs give their dogs give their love to anyone all the time, right? They're for the streets. Dogs are for the streets. Cats, man, nothing compares to the love that felines give to humans, and nothing compares to the bond that humans share with felines. And it's why I am such an advocate of obviously environmental protection, environmental conservation, uh, animal and habitat conservation. Obviously, you know, spay and neuters, TNR all of that stuff, a lot of that stuff I, I got from Ivy or certainly helped me with that. Um, it's one of the reasons I am so against big game hunting, right? If there's one thing I hate in this world, I hate a lot of things, um, unfortunately. But if there's one thing I hate more than most, aside from pollution and environmental degradation and ignoring the environmental crisis, it, I hate, I despise big game hunting. And it's it's tragic for all things, right? Like, if you kill an elephant, you should just be sawed in half while you're alive. You should be alive and awake, strapped to a table, and sawed in half if you if you kill an elephant, right? Same with a giraffe, but obviously there are more giraffes in the world than there are elephants. People that, that hunt big cats for sport, I wish that I could just... I don't even... I can't even say the things that I think of those people. And, like, it, it's always, like, the biggest conservative douches that do it, right? Like... It's always the biggest conservative douches that do it because, um, you know, the word conservative is just, it, it, it's, it's a shame that there's conservation and then there's conservatism because they're nowhere near the same, right? I'm a conservationist. I'm certainly not a conservative. Um, and it's, a, there's nothing conservative about conservatism, um, and it's always the biggest douches that do it. And those people, they should be hunted, honestly. Like, at, at that point, it, it's like people that declaw their cats, right? You can't imagine what that's like for a cat. It's like cutting your fingers off at the bottom knuckle because uh, they don't understand it. And it, it's just a shame. There's nothing I hate more on this earth than people who hunt big cats, uh, especially those who have hunted them to extinction, especially tigers, right? I mean, lions are, are, are threatened and endangered, but... Tigers are, are on the verge of extinction, um, you know, the Bengal tigers, and it's just disgusting, and it breaks my heart when I see shit like that online, because I think about how much my cat, and the cats that I've had, especially Pepper, God rest her soul, means to me, and if anyone did anything like that to Pepper, or to the her, you know, family line, where Pepper came from, it just it kills me inside. It kills me inside to think. It brings me to tears, right? Like it it moves me more than some of these things I, I've I've read, I've written, and I've read about my father. Is thinking about people who harm innocent cats and people who hunt big cats. So I just want to take a moment, and I'll probably put that in in my charity for this out for this uh, episode. Is you know 
I just love I love cats so much. I love felines so much. Um and it's just it's devastating that their numbers are dwindling. So I just want to take a moment, express my love for cats, my my gratitude to the universe for the bond that I share with felines and to just plead and implore uh, to be considerate of big cat populations uh, and the things that you do. So just want to take a moment and talk about that just because I love cats. Sorry, you hear me? I'm choking up, man, because I just I love them so much. And it's a shame they're such majestic creatures. They're such beautiful, majestic creatures. And people go out into a safari uh, with a, a rifle, uh, you know, a rifle from hundreds of yards away and snipe them like it's a sport. Like they could do anything about it. That's not a sport. You know what I mean? Like that's like I saying I'm gonna go play football and I throw my football as far as possible and say, Well, that was a great game of football. That's not the sport. And like anyway, I couldn't talk about that forever. Uh the next thing on my list is so that was the sixth. Uh the twelfth is my friend Caroline Search. Or her name is Caroline Walls now. Um, that's her married name, Caroline Walls. It was her birthday on the twelfth. I made a post about that that you can check out certainly. Um, on, I'm not going to read all the ones that I shared, uh, but on the 14th, May 14th was our actual graduation. Finally, a day late and a dollar short, more like a year late and $150,000 short. Um, but I did get to walk and graduate from law school. I had my diploma in possession already, but, uh, on May 14th, 2021, I did officially have a graduation ceremony, a commencement ceremony, for graduating from the Delaware Law School, becoming Lance Gunnar Wines, JD, Lance Wines, Doctor of Laws, which was pretty cool. Um, just thought I should throw that out there. It was a great day. Um, and I took my dad with me. I had his urn with me. Uh, it was the first graduation that he had attended. Unfortunately, he was a jar of dirt when he did, but, you know, you take what you can get. Uh, I, ca- I did. I carry, and this is in my, my cover letter that I send out. Uh, I did carry him um, across campus during that, so that was pretty uh, special. On the 29th, I'm, again, I'm, I'm skipping some of these uh, posts. I have some long commencement posts I can talk about later. Um, on the 29th, my friend, I saw Hunter and Zach. They came to visit me at my house. Uh, this was May 29th, and Hunter had bought me a bottle of Kraken, which is from the State Series, and it's the Maryland bottle. So I guess he was in Maryland or at a, a local uh, liquor store. And this year, uh, Kraken, which is a black spiced rum, they did a series of bottles for each state. Each bottle or each design is themed or based on each state. So you theoretically could collect all... I don't know if they did all 50. Um, they might have only did states with coast with coastlines because the Kraken is obviously the sea monster. So I don't know if they, so there's like, I think 29, is that right? Are there 29 states with coastlines? I think there's like 29 of these state themed Kraken bottles. And he got me the one from Maryland, which was pretty special. Uh, I had a chance to buy one for Virginia, but I didn't, I'm an idiot, but that was a really special gift. It was very thoughtful. Um, one, I love Kraken. It's my favorite rum. Um, two, I think I like collecting things and it was just, it was great, you know, so really appreciate that. That was from Hunter Cutlip. Got me the Maryland themed Kraken bottle. If anyone listening ever finds the Kraken bottles from the other States, please, 
please send them my way. Um, let's see. On June 2nd, I'm just going to read this Instagram post real quick just because I thought it was special. Um, I worked in Strasburg that night. I usually work in Winchester at the ABC store in Winchester um, on Route 7. But I worked in Strasburg, and I went to this pizza place after I got off work, and it had this like really strange i had some really weird deja vu that day um like a lot of deja vu that day like it almost was like i had lived that day over or i had already lived that day previously in my life and while i was working and i had experienced some deja vu and then obviously after uh i thought of this quote that i wrote this right so anyone who takes this or posts this or shares this or if i find it in a book I'm going to sue them because I wrote this shit. The line that I posted on this caption is is a quote, right? So, quote by Lance Wines, uh, is deja vu just nostalgia for a place that you've never visited? And I thought about that when I was working after I immediately after I experienced uh, deja vu. I thought, is deja vu just nostalgia for a place that you've never visited? And that's what it is, dude. And that's probably the greatest thing I've ever written in my life. And I'm going to go to the grave with that line. So no one take that from me. Um, Again, I have a few posts about this day um, that I was uh, talking about. So that was June 2nd. Uh, Is deja vu just nostalgia for a place that you've never visited? God, that's good, dude. Fuck. Anyway. I'm going to blow through the rest of these and get to some good stuff because we're at about two hours at this point. Um, It's kind of crazy, right? And a lot of these things I talked about in other episodes. So um, on June 5th, we buried my father. Uh, He was buried next to his father, my grandpa Willie, who I mentioned in another post, uh, in a previous post. And then my uncle Bob, obviously, who I mentioned in one of my first uh, initial posts uh, from this episode. So on January 5th, we buried my father, finally. Uh, it was extremely difficult, probably the hardest day of my life. Um, so it's a plot of... It's actually a plot of six graves, technically, if you if you bury urns. So the one on the far left is for my Uncle Bob and my Aunt Tammy when she passes away. The one in the center is for my Grandpa Willie and then my Grandma Sue whenever she passes away. And then my father is buried on the far right... Um, or to the right of the center, far right, whatever. There's only three, so either phrase works. He's buried on the right, right? So it's Bob, Uncle Bob, uh, Grandpa Willie, and then my dad, Roger. And then technically you could bury another person there. I don't know uh, if I'll go with that or not. Um, Five days later, on June 10th, Maroon 5 released their... What album is that now? Five, six... Is that their seventh studio album? No. Is it? Holy shit, dude, it is. I think it's their seventh studio album, uh, Jordy. So the um, the album is called Jordy. I'm, God, it might be their seventh, because five is, is obviously their fifth. And then Red Pill Blues, which is a classic. Um, holy shit, dude. So this might be their seventh studio album. Uh, this was released on June 10th. It's entitled Jordy. Jordy is the name of a, I think it was their producer, um, a close friend of the band's especially a close friend of, of Adam Levine's uh, who passed away uh, within the last, I guess, within the last two years. Um, I think he was battling cancer or some illness, some disease, um, and he succumbed to his condition. 
and it was a really devastating loss for the band. And so they uh, wrote and recorded this album, and it's, it's sort of like how Big Whiskey and the Grugrux King was uh, the last album that Leroy had worked on with Dave Matthews Band, and so it was dedicated to him and released after his death. This was like that for Maroon 5, Jordy. It's a good album. It's not my favorite, um, but it's it's a solid listen. Um, obviously, I love Maroon 5. I love everything Maroon 5. So that was, that was a highlight of the year, right? So if all of these other things were extremely devastating, one highlight of this year was that Maroon 5 released a new album, um, and that was on June 10th. On June 12th, I made it back down to the Outer Banks. There's a post, again, this connects to the Point Break thing, which... When I wrote this list, I wrote to talk about Point Break here instead of when I did. I'm glad that I did it sooner rather than later. Was whenever I go to the Outer Banks, the post that I share on social media, on Instagram and Facebook mostly, but the post that I share on social media to let people know that I've made it to the Outer Banks and that I've returned to the Outer Banks is with the Bodie Island Lighthouse and my nickname in college because of Point Break and because of Find Your Line was Utah, right? After Johnny Utah, which was played by Keanu Reeves and Luke Bracey, uh, respectively. Um, it, you know, my nickname was Utah. I would sign things, Lance, Utah, Gunner Wines, or I would just sign Utah, or I would draw the outline of the state of Utah as a signature. And when I graduated from Shepard, they asked me if I wanted to be announced as Lance, Utah, Gunner Wines, or if I... And, and or if I wanted it on my diploma as Lance Utah Gunner Wines. That's how far that nickname got in college that the school recognized me as U- as Utah, just as Utah. Um, and so whenever I go to the Outer Banks, the first lighthouse you get, well, it's not the first you get to technically. Um, the first lighthouse on the coastal highway in the Outer Banks, the protected uh, National Park Highway, uh, was it the Outer Banks National Seashore? Um, try saying that five times fast. Outer Banks National Seashore, Highway 12. The first lighthouse you get to on Highway 12 is the Bodie Island Lighthouse. Um, the natives of the area call it Bodie. Um, it, it is <laughs> phonetically, it is Bodie, and it is spelled like Bodie, like the character. I'm Johnny Utah, that's Bodie. So I shared that. Uh, so I made it down to the Outer Banks on the 12th. On the 15th of June, we went to Tortugas Lie, me, Brian, and Shelby. Again, these are all great posts that you should check out. Uh, that one I made a joke about, like, a couple looking for a third uh, at a bar, across the bar. I was the third. They were the couple, obviously. Um, the next day on the 16th, I so on the 15th, we ate at Tortugas Lie. On the 16th, we ate at the Carolina Barbecue Company on Monteo. Monteo is uh, Roanoke Island, for those who uh, know history. Uh, Monteo is Roanoke Island. It's in between the Outer Banks National uh, Seashore, which is Pea Island. I get it, you know, because in high school, you're always like, huh, penis land, huh, huh, Penn Island. You know, like if you write Penn Island together, it's P-E-N-I-S-L-A-N-D, which is penis land. Uh, it's actually P Island. Of course, it has another name, like I think it's Currituck, uh, but P Island is the Outer Banks National Seashore. And then there's the island of Monteo in the Sound. I can't remember what the name of the Sound is uh, right now. The Sound. And then there's the mainland 
of North Carolina, right? Actual North Carolina. And Mateo was the lost colony of Roanoke, rest in peace, uh, to those people. It's also the, the home of the Outer Banks Distilling Company, which makes Kill Devil Rum, which you can find in most ABC stores. Um, it's delicious, great distillery. Love visiting them. Anyway, um, it was a good day. Uh, we went to the aquarium, the North Carolina State Aquarium, which is on Mateo, which is actually like right across the street from the Lost Colony, so don't get lost there. Um, it's it's awesome there. Totally, totally wild. Uh, Carolina Barbecue Company had lots of uh, Trumper conservative signage, So and they also, it's a barbecue company, so there's no vegetarian options. Um, so a large number of our group did not eat with us, but you know, it's the core group of myself, Brian and Shelby, the ones that I love. Um, so, you know, it, nothing wrong with the three of us. We always do stuff together. Might as well, uh, keep doing it on the 18th. So that was the 16th on the 18th. We went to Oka Croak, um, Okra Coke. Why do I always, I've gotten to the point where, so here's the thing about, uh, Okra Coke is I, went to the Outer Banks for so long, for so much of the last decade with the Camachos, right? So with Alex and his family, right? So Alex, Elsie, Jose, Joaquin, Sierra now, Braden, and Victoria, who is their mother. She's the matriarch of the family. Victoria is from Venezuela. Uh, Their whole family's from Venezuela. But Victoria is very strong Venezuelan, and she has an accent, right? She speaks with a Venezuelan, uh, with a, a... latina accent Uh, so she speaks broken english uh of course she is you know she's extremely intelligent one of the most intelligent people i've ever met your accent and the language that you speak is does has nothing to do with your intelligence i just want anyone to know that uh if anyone's ever doubted that or anyone needs to hear that again your language and the level at which you speak a second language has does not determine your intelligence the fact that you're even speaking a second or third language it should point you in the other direction. Um, but with that being said, she speaks broken English because um, she's fluent in Spanish, and she could never pronounce Okra Coke, right? It's Okra Coke Island. And I spell it out because Okra, like the plant, which they eat there, and Coke, like the beverage that they drink there because it's from the South, and it's Okra Coke. And... She could never pronounce it, right? She still doesn't pronounce it properly. That her mispronunciation of okra coke has infiltrated, has has permeated through my dialect, through my southern dialect, through my own uh, vernacular, right? So her mispronunciation, her Venezuelan version of okra coke has permeated through my vernacular, my personal dictionary, and my own southern dialect to where I don't pronounce it correctly. For years, I pronounced it correctly. And then I just, after so many years of going to the beach with her and with her family, I don't pronounce it correctly anymore. And it blows my mind. It's become the one word. Well, I pronounce a lot of things incorrectly, obviously, because I'm dumb. Uh, well, not, I'm not dumb, but you know, there are some words I just don't use properly because I'm a sweet Southern boy and I have a different way of speaking. I don't talk too nice, but I say, I say, well, how do I say it? Oh, okra, 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 croak. I, oh, I say okra croak. Oka, oka croak is what I say. Oka croak, which I move the R, right? I move the R 
from, at least I don't say Orca Coke, right? I don't switch it that way. I switch it <laughs> Orca Coke. I move the R from, instead of moving it before the, the first C, I move it to after the second C. So it's okra, like the plant, and Coke, like the beverage. But I say Oka, so O-C-A, and then I move the R to say croak, like a frog, or like someone who dies, right? I say Oka, Oka croak, because it just, it, it's, it flows better. Oka croak, but it's okra coke. And yeah, anyway, so we went there, we went to that location, on June 18th, <laughs> so, which is the, it's totally the dirt that it, I was going to say dirtiest, but you're going to take that the wrong way is the gnarliest beach in the East. And I, that was my caption. I know for a fact, cross my heart that that was my caption for the day. I went to Okra Coke because Okra Coke, I oh got Yeah. Okra Coke is truly the gnarliest beach in the East. It is, it is what I, it is just, it's paradise. It's heaven on earth. So then after that, um, on June 27th, I wrote that we had a Shep homecoming backyard party, which was a get-together of myself, uh, Hunter Cutlip, Zachary Hess, um, and then Brian and Shelby, right? I just had to throw out their last names just because I haven't... I don't think I mentioned Zach yet. I've mentioned Brian and Shelby, obviously, uh, and I mentioned Hunter because they both have... Obviously, I talk about Brian and Shelby all the time. They have an episode. Hunter, I, I'm working on the Pittsburgh special. I don't know if I mentioned Zach so far in this podcast, um, but Hunter and Zach and then Brian and Shelby were all there. I call that a shepherd homecoming whenever you have like a, a small shepherd get-together, um, which I need to get the rest of the band back together, but we will. So that was uh, a nice backyard party that night on July 4th. So that was June 27th. July 4th, the gang went camping. So myself, Brian, Shelby, um, Amy and Wayfan, and here's something I want to point out real quick, because I know we're at two hours, kind of a long episode, I apologize. When I talk about Brian and Shelby, so I say things alphabetically is what I've noticed, right? So when I talk about the couple, Brian and Shelby, I say Brian first, and then Shelby, right? But when I talk about Wayfan and Amy, I say it alphabetically, so I say Amy and Wayfan, and I make a joke that I, I would make a joke that say, well, it's because I, I say who wears the pants in the relationship first, but that's not true because Shelby wears the pants. No offense. Um, I say it alphabetically, right? So I say Brian and Shelby because B is before S and then Amy and Wayfan, I say A A is before W. And it's always so weird because then when I'm talking about them, I feel like I can't say it because then I feel like they're going to pick up like there's some sort of reason that I put one person first instead of the other when realistically my brain just does it alphabetically. Um, so yeah, I always think that's funny. So when I say the gang, Brian and Shelby, Amy and Wayfan, and we went camping on the 4th of July. We had the dogs there. It was great. Ivan was there as well. Wayfan's uh, younger brother. Great kid. Um, Ivan Wu. And where's Wade Wu? And uh, again, great time. The fireworks kind of put a damper on it because the dogs, obviously, they don't like fireworks. For anyone who knows animals, most animals don't like fireworks. Uh, the only animal that likes fireworks are humans. Um, so just thought I would throw that out there. Uh, July 9th, I turned 26, so that's pretty cool. I didn't kill myself. Um, <laughs> should I cut that out? No, nah, I'll keep it. That was a, it, was a, it was a good joke, right? This is a comedy at this point, right? Um, so July 9th was my 26th birthday. That was pretty exciting. Let's see. Um, we're nearing the end, right? So this is going to be one of those legendary two-and-a-half, three-hour episodes. 
I had to get a drink, dude, because that's where we're going. So, and luckily, a lot of this, the from here on out, which Dave Matthews song, from here on out, um, in the podcast, in this episode, these are things that I've talked about already. So, anything from here on out, I have. I'm sure that so, like the beach trip, and going to Ocracoke. God, see, I just did it again. I tried to pronounce uh, going to Ocracoke. And the beach trip and all that, uh, the Outer Banks, I had talked about uh, prior because I had the Where's Wade Woo episode about the beach trip. Um, obviously, the bar exams I've talked about. Cleo I've talked about. Um, I've talked about my dad, my Uncle Bob. So a lot of the stuff I talked about, but there's a lot of stuff also that I hadn't mentioned yet that was new content. Um, and going into some some detail about stuff. But the, everything from my 26th birthday onward, I know for sure, has been mentioned in at least one podcast. Um, even if I just glanced over it, except for maybe the last thing. Um, so that was July 9th. For anyone who doesn't know, my birthday is July 9th, 1995. I'm 26. Um, my phone password is 1314. I went right back to that. Um, so on July 18th, John Mayer released uh, a new studio album entitled Sob Rock. Sob as in crying, rock as in the genre of music. Um, just want to pronounce that because I know I pronounce things like strangely or differently because of my own dialect, right? My own personal way of speaking. Um, that's the joke, right? I can't say, apparently, I can't say okra coke anymore. Um, I have to go to like voice training for that. So on the July 18th, John Mayer released Sob Rock, which is an excellent album. Uh, I think I enjoy Sob Rock more than I do Jordy. Um, so I do recommend listening to that July 29th. I took my, it was my third attempt at the bar exam. I know I've talked about that. Unfortunately, I didn't pass. Um, I don't even think I wrote about when I found out I didn't pass. Um, it was October, right? It had to been October, um, October 14th. How do I remember that off the top of my head? Anyway, um, yeah, July 29th was my third attempt at the bar exam. This time it was in Richmond instead of Roanoke. Um, just to real quick, remember that was the time that uh, I ate that terrible pizza, pizza from Little Caesars and I got super sick. And then I did like, I took all those antacids and drank all that, that Pepto Bismol. And I took like all of these like anti. Uh, gas, anti-bloating, anti-diarrheal medication, all these antacids, all this, all this shit, and then I threw my guts out, right? And I puked my guts out, but I didn't puke my heart out. Uh, and I thought that I did, I did much better uh, on this bar exam, but unfortunately, I didn't pass Virginia. That's okay. Um, let's see. The weekend of August sixth, we were in Ocean City. So myself, Pam, Bob, and Aunt Sandy. All right, Pam being my my mother, Bob being my stepfather, and Sandy being my mother's sister. Um, we were in Ocean City. The big thing I, I noted was on the sixth, on August sixth, uh, I went to a liquor store, ABC store in Maryland. Now in Maryland, they are privately owned, whereas in Virginia, they're all state run. Uh, so socialism in Virginia and capitalism in uh, Maryland. And I saw two bottles of Pappy Van Winkle. I saw a Pappy 12 and a Pappy 15. For those who don't know, anyone who's not into bourbon, Pappy Van Winkle, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head if it's the best in the world. People say that it's the best. I think that a lot of it has to do with conditioning based off of price. Um, 
I haven't tasted it, so I can't really compare it to anything. I know where it comes from. I've tasted things that come from the same place um, and that are made with the same mash bill. But Pappy is... Here's the thing. This is a quote from a documentary I watched on bourbon. And it said, there's no such thing as a bourbon that's better than another. There's no such thing as a bourbon that's better than another. Um, not one bourbon is better. It, some, they're more expensive. Some are more expensive than others because uh, they make less of it, right? So that's like the key is that people see the price and they're like, well, it must be good, right? Like the price determines the quality. And that's not true, right? Anyone should know that. The price, that's not true of anything. The price does not necessarily determine the quality. And bourbon, some bourbon is more expensive than other bourbon because they make less of it. So they have to because the supply and the demand, right? So there's less supply and the demand is either is the same or greater, so the price has to be higher. Um, so bottom shelf bourbon is is made from the same distilleries, and they just make more of it, so it's cheaper, right? So that's that's the thing. So Pappy um, MSRP on a bottle of Pappy is like ninety nine bucks. Depends on which expression you get, right? So they do a ten, twelve, fifteen. Uh, then they do a so what is it? Old Rip Van Winkle. This is the Van Winkle Distillery, right? Old Rip Van Winkle is 12 or 10, 12, and 15 years. Pappy Van Winkle is 20, 23, 25. So 10, 12, 15, and then 20, 23, 25. And of course, there are other ones, right? And they make like a rye, which is extremely hard to get. Um, and that's the difference, right? So the Rip Van Winkle, there's old Rip Van Winkle, and then there's, uh, Pappy Van Winkle, which is the grandfather. Um, I can get into the whole history, but these bottles are so sought after. There is so few made. I think it's like of what's, I don't know the numbers, but something, some, some crazy number, like out of a thousand barrels of bourbon, which they use Wellers, for those who don't know. Um, out of a 1,000 barrels of Wellers, one is chosen to become a barrel of Pappy, right? And that's just, Wellers, it, bourbon has to be at least four years. So one of those barrels that's four years, they waited four years for it to age. Only one of out of a 1,000 is determined to taste differently and better enough, good enough, to then be chosen to age for another 8 to 16 years, right? So in order for it to be the the youngest Pappy expression is 12, or sorry, 10, um, so it's just 6 years. So the youngest expression is 10 years, means that a barrel that they choose to be good, one out of a thousand they choose, then has to age another 6 years, let alone if they want it to be the 25-year, it has to age another 21 years. Then, at any time, they could say, well, this didn't age the way we wanted it to. It didn't age how we thought it would or how we thought it should. It's not good enough to have the Pappy name, to have the Van Winkle name. They dump it, and that's wait, that's 20 years wasted, right? Just like most marriages, 20 years wasted. So, Pappy, the rarity and the fact that there's there's... So little of it is what creates the uh, the price, right? So the 
I saw bottles of Pappy 12 and Pappy 15. They were going for thousands of dollars, right? Two th- like $2,000 for the 15, um, which was, it's cool, right? Because as someone who works in the ABC, I work with bourbon. I work with liquor. I know a lot about alcohol, um, about distilled spirits. It, it's like it's like meeting, if you're a football fan, it's like meeting Joe Montana or Jerry Rice, right? These are like the best to ever do it. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, two days later, on August 8th, we had dinner at De Lazy Lizard. It's called De Lazy Lizard, uh, like Jamaican De Lazy. Um, but it's The Lazy Lizard is a, a seaside restaurant. It was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Fast forward. That was August 8th, August 22nd. Saw Dave Matthews Band in Columbia, Maryland. I know for a fact I mentioned that in a podcast. I don't even have to mention it again because there's a whole DMB saga. So that was August 22nd. Saw Dave Matthews Band front row on stage on the rail. Um, there's the photos of Dave and I pointing at each other front row at Columbia at Meriwether Post Pavilion. That was great. On the 24th, August 24th, uh, Elsie and Tyler were married. I married them, right? Elsie Camacho and Tyler Krim. Now Elsie Krim. Uh, I married them. That was super great. We were at the Outer Banks. Let's see. Um, at the end of that week, I don't have the date, but that next Saturday, which Tuesday, 24th, Wednesday, 25th, 26th, so the 28th. So August 22nd, I saw Dave Matthews Band in Columbia, Maryland. August 28th, coming back from the Outer Banks, I saw Dave Matthews Band in Virginia Beach at the Veterans Veterans Amphitheater, something like that. Um, and that's where they played every day. That was totally awesome. Uh, fast forward, September 7th, I saw Maroon 5. Bob and I got to see Maroon 5 perform at Jiffy Lube Live, which is in Bristow, Virginia, uh, which is our local venue right outside of Manassas. Um, I got really good seats to that. They cost me a lot of money. Uh, my... They weren't nearly as close as the as I was when I saw Dave, right? Because I was front row when I saw Dave. I was in the first seated section outside of the orchestra when I saw Maroon 5, and they were way more expensive, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, after the Maroon 5 concert on September 7th, uh, later that month, 10 days later, went to New York for SPAC on September 17th. Oh, sorry. On the 16th, I was in Philadelphia where I spent the day with Amel. I wrote 916 Amel XO. Obviously, I love Amel uh, a lot. <laughs> I love Amel a, a lot, a lot more than I should. I love her so much. So I love Amel. Um, the 17th, I saw a bottle of Pappy 25. It wasn't any, it, it wasn't just any bottle of Pappy 25. It was Pappy 25 that was aged in one of their first one of their original barrels, right? So this barrel was like a century old. It only ever had the Pappy 25. So it only ever, this was only like its fourth batch, right? Or its third batch that this barrel had ever been used for. Um, And so it was Pappy's 25-year Pappy. So it was aged for 25 years in one of their first original barrels from that distillery. That was crazy. They wanted like, they didn't have a price tag on it, but MSRP is like, I think like ten to fifteen thousand at least, uh, if not more. Uh, some people are charging like twenty, twenty five thousand. Some people they'll never sell it, right? Uh, of course, Spack Night One, which was totally crazy. Uh, they opened with uh, Rye Whiskey and they played Pig. 
This is just off the top of my head. I remember this. SPAC night two uh, was the 18th. Obviously a great night. I think that night they played You Never Know. Uh, I think they played Sugar Will as well. They played The Stone on night two. I remember that. Um, the 25th, on September 25th, uh, I went to my first drag bingo at the 5050 Tap House uh, located on Cork Street. It's the corner. For those who don't know, I'm just going to give a, a, a brief. So 5050 Tap House is located on the corner of um, Braddock and Cork Street, across from the Cork Street uh, Cork Street Tavern, and it's a, a beer and burger joint. Went to their first drag bingo there, which was pretty cool because I love bingo and I love drag queens. I love uh, you know ambiguous gender fluid individuals. Uh, that's just my sexual orientation. Uh, and I, like I said, I love bingo. I always say bingo is a game of skill, even though it's not. Uh, but it, that helps me sleep at night. So that was September 25th, first drag bingo. October, I didn't have any real dates uh, written down. Uh, but Oct- the month of October is when I did the DMB saga. I wrote that on here because it was significant to me, right? Like that was um, something that it was a major milestone in my life and certainly in this podcast uh something i'm extremely proud of something that reached the dave matthews band right that's the crazy part episode two of the dave matthews saga reached the ears of the dave matthews band it reached tim reynolds who's the lead guitarist for the dave matthews band um and that's just that's special right you you make something it's this huge month-long uh, production and it's it's telling these these great stories this great epic um you know in, in this great collection of stories and within this epic about my experience my love my relationship with the day matthews band and it reaches the target audience it reaches them and that was just very rewarding that took the entire month of october something i'm very proud of november 6th uh i went up to pennsylvania to spend the weekend with Elaine and Alex, shout out to Alex Pooner, shout out to Elaine Prelly. Uh, I have on my my thing, it says November 6th, EP plus AP, right? Because that's what I call them. Elaine Prelly is EP, Alex Pooner is AP. Um, that weekend obviously didn't end perfectly, but it ended, it didn't end perfectly as in that's not the ending that we would have foreseen or would have, maybe we would have foreseen it. We wouldn't have desired it, right? We wouldn't have written it that way, but it was very true to us, right? That's the beauty of of my friendships and my relationships with people is my friendships and my relationships with people aren't necessarily how I would write them, not how most people would want them to go. However, they're very true to who we are and the love that we share. And I love Elaine and Alex with all of my heart, right? Again, I don't know with them. I don't do it alphabetically. I don't know why. Uh, I do it chronologically. I met Elaine first um, and then Alex. So for whatever reason, I do it that way. But EP and AP, I love you all to death. I love you guys so, 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 so much. Thank you for everything, not just supporting this podcast, but supporting me uh, outside of the podcast. So that was November 6th. November 13th, I returned. November 13th, which the 13th, 13 is a great number. Like I said, my phone password's 1314. Um, I graduated high school on June 13th of 2013. And which is kind of crazy to think about now Um, because every other graduation is in May pretty much, but it was the last day of school that year. Anyway, not important. On November 13th of 2021, the 
Messiah, the Savior, the great Lance Utah Gunner Wines made his return. The prodigal son returned to John Hanley High School for a football game, for a high school football game. Uh, it was a playoff game. Uh, Hanley ended up losing, uh, but that's okay, right? It'd be like that. Um, I don't know if it was a playoff game yet. It was like the it was like the last regular season game before the playoffs, because I'm pretty sure they played another game and then they lost, uh, or they won the next one and then they lost to get it. I don't know how it worked out, but anyway, the prodigal son returned, right? Um, which I was thinking about the office when Michael couldn't say prodigal. Um, the son returns. The prodigal son returned to John Hanley High School. I hadn't been back in years. Uh, it was always great to be home, right? Who says you can't go home, right? Bon Jovi and Jennifer Nettles told me, they said, who said you can't go home? And that's just how it goes. And that's the last thing I have on my list, right? So that's pretty awesome. That's the last thing I had on my list. I can't believe I made it through. It took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I was hoping I could get all of that done in an hour and a half, which now looking back, that was ridiculous of me. Um, I didn't, you know, I apologize for breezing through that second half, but like I said, Anything I mentioned in the second half of this episode, the last hour, essentially, last hour, hour and a half, um, stuff I've mentioned in other episodes, right? Stuff that you guys already know and episodes you've already enjoyed. So I didn't really have to focus on those. This is more of a, a, a looking back, right? This is more of a, a looking back and, and turning back. And I might end up uh, splitting this episode into part one and part two, uh, kind of like, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, <laughs> but, you know... Like I've had other great things that happened since then. Uh, obviously, lots of time spent with great friends. Uh, good times at work. Saw Ivy, obviously. Saw Ivy twice. Uh, talked to her. Um, kind of. <laughs> you know, and that's that would probably be the highlight of my year, unfortunately, right? The the running into Ivy, the the just her presence in my life is... is it may be negative experiences, but it's positive overall... Um, you know, the mark that she leaves on me. And so that's sort of the recap, right? That's so what, what was the point of this? Why did you sit and listen to me retell, recant these stories for the last two and a half hours? We're at two hours and 27 minutes, of course, 27, a Dave Matthews song. Um, why'd you sit and listen to this? If you did, right? If you didn't, that's cool too. Um, I don't know. I don't know why you sat and listened to this, honestly. Uh, for those who did, I, I certainly appreciate it. I, I, more power to you. This was more about me sort of getting this out there. Like I said, this is like my electronic audio journal. Um, this is the story of Lance, right? This, this is the life of Pi. Um, so what did I gather from this year? And, and what was the, the point of this? And I guess that ties into the episode that I erased, the lost episode. And will I ever release that episode that I recorded uh, on... It was actually on... The night of New Year's Eve, I guess the one year anniversary of the first episode of Late Nights with Lance on New Year's Eve in the Jeep driving to uh, Wayfan. See, now I'm going to say Wayfan and Amy's. It's, it's only in a series. Do I say Amy first? I'm driving to Wayfan and Amy's house. I recorded this episode. Will I ever release the lost episode? I don't know. Right. Um, it's it's stuff that you guys probably don't want to hear. Uh, not because you're not interested, but because it's just not good to hear. Um, right? It's it's another Ivy episode. Another, another Ivy episode. Um, 
But one of the things I, I touched on in that lost episode that I'll touch on here is the reason I wanted to talk about this year is not because it was necessarily a great year, right? A, the majority of things that I spoke about, at least the majority of things that I spoke about in depth, because you can certainly see a turn in my year, uh, were negative, right? It was funny because a lot of the focus uh, in the first half of the year were negative. It didn't really change or shift. Truly, my year didn't shift until graduation, uh, which was um, May 14th. And it's funny because I didn't read that post, but now I think I will, just so you can see um, how I how I sort of noticed that, how I called that. Um, this, so this is, I'm going to read to you real quick my post from, the, I actually posted this on the 15th, which is the day after uh, the commencement. So the commencement was May 14th. And like I said, if you look back on this last episode, or if I split it into two, uh, you can really see the first half of the year up until the graduation, everything was sad and super shitty and sucked. Um, Except for Cleo, of course, rest in peace. Um, But everything after this one day was positive, was pretty much positive. And it's like my year, my life completely turned around after this. And it was what I waited for. And so this is my observation of that live when it happened. So this is this is this post. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My mind wanted to make this a sad post more than anything, but it's not. My mind wanted to remind me about why this weekend had to happen how it did, but it could not. A good friend of mine taught me to accept blessings as they come as a beach accepts the waves that break. Sometimes the swells are too big to handle. Sometimes they are too small to ride. But you must learn to accept them as they come, in order to appreciate them as they are. My father wasn't there in Vedum, but his ashes were. My yellow flame wasn't there to dance with me, but my fire dancer still spun for her. My brother wasn't there to greet me, but his photograph was still within an arm's reach. This weekend wasn't my true commencement from Widener, but it was my true commencement from this chapter of my life. I had the unique privilege of getting closure for all that had held me back over this past year. No longer can I cry, can I cry out in agony for what was lost. Now I may cry out, I may cry out in celebration for what was found. I'm the furthest, I'm the furthest, sorry, I choked up there a little bit. I'm the furthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. But I am becoming a whole person for the first time in my life. And that's something that not ev- not everyone can say. So I'll end this chapter with the lyrics that kept me alive. Pick me up, love, from the bottom up to the top, love. Lift me up, love, every day. Thank you and God bless. Gunner. Hashtag DMB36. That was my observation of that shift, of that paradigm shift, 
the paradigm or parad- paradigm or paradigm paradigm. That was my observation of that paradigm shift as it happened. I could feel it in my soul, in my bones, that my life had shifted at that moment. Everything before that was so sad, right? Like the anniversary of my dad's death, losing Uncle Bob, Jose being sick, you know, thinking about Caitlin passing away, you know, taking another bar exam, failing another bar exam, you know, everything with COVID, with Cleo, losing Cleo, uh, you know, all this sad stuff that was sort of, you know, still the remnants of 2020, I got to put behind halfway through 2021. And, I mean, like I said, you know, so I'll go through this and and dissect it real quick. Um, A good friend of mine taught me to accept blessings as they come, as a beach accepts the waves that break. That was, I'm talking about Cleo, and the night that, uh, the night that Cleo admitted that she had feelings for me, she wrote in her journal this beautiful line about me being a wave, crashing onto her beach not this isn't a crash into me reference this not everything is dave related um but you know i was a wave crashing into her beach and she had to she you know wanted to fight back but you can't fight the ocean you know what i mean you can't fight the waves they come and you just have to accept them let them swell and let them let them break and let them crash over you and you know, she wanted she wanted to open up and accept me as a blessing that was coming instead of fighting or, you know, conflicting or battling against it to prevent it from coming. And I thought that was so beautiful, right? And, you know, we had planned to get matching wave tattoos. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, but I still... I'll get into this in a sec. But, you know, that's the... You told me to accept blessings as they come as a beach accepts the waves that break. Sometimes the swells are too big to handle... Sometimes they are too small to ride, but you must learn to accept them as they come in order to appreciate them as they are. And I said, my father wasn't there in Vedum, in life, but his ashes were there. My yellow flame wasn't there to dance with me, which is a reference, of course, to Dave Matthews, the fire dancer. My yellow flame, she dances, talking about Ivy, but my fire dancer still spun for her, talking about my tattoo, my fire dancer tattoo, which is obviously for Dave, but has that significance with her. My my yellow flame still danced for her. My brother wasn't there to greet me, but his photograph was still within an arm's reach, was talking about... Uh, I had a number of photographs with me. One of them was... Uh, in that post, I was talking about Kyle, uh, Kyle Brady, who wasn't there, um, but his photographs were there. I had his photographs with me. But also, um, talk about Alex as well, who his photos were in the Jeep. Because uh, I have a photo of him in my um, sun visor of the Jeep, uh, all of us as a group. And, you know, talking about this, this wasn't a commencement from Widener um, because I had already graduated a year prior, right, in, 20, in 2020. But this was a commencement from this chapter of my life. And it was a rare occurrence where I got closure, right? I'm at two minutes and 36 seconds. Or, uh, sorry, two hours and 36 minutes. I just happened to look up and saw the 36. Um, must love Dave. But, you know, this is a rare, unique occurrence to get closure in my life where closure, you know, often 
uh, evades us, right? It, it often we often don't get the closure that we need. We have to make it ourselves. And this unique opportunity, life gave me the closure I needed. I didn't have to create it for myself. Um, and it's true. I don't. I don't cry out in agony for what I lost. Now I can cry out in celebration for what I have found in this last year. Um, and you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm closer to a whole person than I ever have been, and that's really special. Um, and then again, you know, I end it with the with the lyrics that kept me alive through all this from every day from number 36, which is pick me up love from the bottom up to the top love, lift me up love every day. And then I ended with hashtag DMB 36, which is my license plate. Right. Um, and I noticed that, right. I felt that in my soul when it happened, I felt it. And that paradigm shift is, is something that it's, it's truly unique. And that's what I want to talk about. Right. I am, just to, you know, close, wrap this up, close this. I'm still not a perfect person. I never will be. Nobody is a perfect person. Even people that we, we idolize and, and turn it, we, you know, in our minds, we make them out to be perfect people. They're not, they're human. We're all human. What doesn't, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. What does kill us makes us human. And I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I have lots of flaws. Um, the ones that you see, the ones that you can't see, but I'm so much better than I was. I I walked out of this year. I walked out of 2021 a million times better of a man than I walked in to 2021. I walked out of 2021 into 2022 a million times better, stronger, more of a man, more of a person, more of a human, more of me than I ever have been. And it this isn't one of those, you know, you should experience hardships in life because hardships, you know, make you a better person. You know, the whole no diamonds, no pressure, no diamonds, which is bullshit. Because um, you can apply all the pressure in the world, but there's more to it than that, right? It's not, it's not you know, no pressure, no diamonds or adversity, uh, you know, reveals the man reveals the man to himself. Um, it, it's truly, this is my journey. This isn't some cliche that other people have lived. This isn't some storybook. This is my journey, you know, and, and this, not only is it my journey, it's one that I'm proud of, but it's one that I, I share. And, and I'm so, I'm happy with myself. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm overall happy, right? Like life certainly can be better, but certainly can be worse. And I, I am happy and proud of my growth and my development. And the fact that I, I no longer hold these debts or, or keep the score or try to compete with everyone and, and hold myself to these unrealistic, unobtainable standards and when I, when I obviously naturally don't meet these standards or when other people don't meet my standards, I hold it against them or I hold it against myself and I, I forgive. And not only do I forgive, but I forgive myself. And I love, and it, I've always loved, right? That's never been my problem. There's this, it's funny in my DMB saga, this is going to be, anyone who's listened, this is like a Easter egg. This is like a, a gift if you have listened. In my DMB saga, I said there was one DMB song that I didn't really like, right? 
and it, it used to be Louisiana Bayou. And you say, I did I used to not like Louisiana Bayou, but I've gotten over that. And you say, there's one song that I don't listen to, and that's Lying in the Hands of God, right? I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Lying in the Hands of God, but I've listened to it recently and it's grown on me. And one of the most powerful lines in the song, it is the most powerful line in the song, and it's one of the most powerful lines that Dave's ever written, says, save your sermons for someone who's afraid to love. Save your sermons for someone who is afraid to love. And that's that's true, right? Because I'm not afraid to love. I've never been. But I've never truly loved as in a healthy way. Loved myself, loved others, loved life in a healthy way. And because of that, I've never been able to receive it in a healthy way either. And I've worked on that, man. And, like, you know, obviously... I wish things had worked out differently with Cleo. I mean, I guess I do because, you know, I love her and I wish she was still in my life. But I don't know how that would translate uh, again to, you know, things with Ivy and things with whatever my future may hold, like with Amel or anything. But I just have spent so much time in this character development phase. And I got so tired of it, right? Like, I got so tired of it. Because I couldn't put it into practice. I, I, I grew so much. I learned so much. I was it's it's just like with my professional career. Like I've done so much to train myself and to learn and to grow in my professional career. When do I get to apply it and practice? And I learned that you can't wait for that opportunity. There's no perfect opportunity. There's no right time. Life is what you make it. You know what I mean? Like take these dreams, make them as real as anything. And, and that's true. Every day, is, and I, I love that word, but every day is, is an opportunity to not only learn and grow and better yourself, but to apply it to the world. And I always was like, well, you know, I've learned everything I need to learn. I've, I've grown enough in the last two years. I've suffered enough. There, what, what more can life throw at me? What more can I learn from life? I'm waiting for a chance to apply it. That was dumb of me. That was so stupid. Because you never stop learning, you never stop growing. And that's a cliche, and I thought that I understood it, but I never really did. Because I was so bitter and jaded at life, and I'm not I'm not that person anymore. You know, I still have issues, obviously. I still have faults. Uh, we all do. But every day I am provided with opportunities to not only learn something more, learn something new... But the thing I didn't see before that I see now is every day I'm provided with opportunities to apply what I've learned. It's not just, hey, I've gone through a lot of character development. It's, hey, I am exemplifying all of my character development. And I don't keep score. And I don't feel indebted to others um, just because they give me, they like me or want to spend time with me or love me. I can trust that people actually love me for me and that it's it's reciprocated, it's reciprocal and reciprocated, right? There's a difference there. Uh, everything is reciprocal, not everything is reciprocated, um, and it's true and honest, and people will accept me and love me and want me in their life no matter where I am because my value to them doesn't come from where I am in my life. My value to others doesn't come from how complete I am as a person or where I think I need to be. My value is, is intrinsic in the unconditional love that I give. And they, not it's like I always see everyone as deserving as unconditional love. 
But that should include me too, right? If I think everyone is deserving of unconditional love, why doesn't that translate to, well, I am everyone, therefore I am also deserving of unconditional love? What makes me different? What makes me not special, but what's, what makes me such an outlier that I don't deserve that? That's just not true. I'm deserving of love. I'm deserving of patience and, and kindness and compassion, and I'm deserving of these things, and it's it's not because I do things for other people or because there's some sort of debt or score to keep and that I can keep tallying up the points so that they owe me or I let them tally up the points because I feel like I owe them. It's not like that, you know? I don't owe them for being in my life, and they don't owe me for all of the love that I give them, even if it is more than they can give. That's okay. You know, there are bad times, but that's okay. You just look for the love in it, and you don't burn the day away. And it's not just that, but I look at, I mean, look at the main conflict in my life, right? Everyone knows the main conflict in my life is my conflict within myself regarding Ivy, right? That's the that's it. That's the main conflict at this point. Everything. It's not that I've settled everything else. It's just that I've learned to manage everything else better. I can handle things. And I, I can use these skills that I've learned, that I've gained, that I've taught myself, or that I've taught myself. The one conflict that remains is with that situation, and it, it, you know, it is a hindrance on on other things. It is, it gets in the way of me loving others, and it gets in the way of me loving myself the way I deserve to be loved. But even with that, look at what I've learned. Right, like I don't care. That situation has taught me that I it, it's no measure of me how much love someone else is willing to give. That's not a measure of me. It is nowhere near a measure of me or representative of me how much love someone is willing to give. The measure of me is how much love I'm willing to give, how much love I give, not just what I can give, what I'm willing to give of what I can give, but what I truly do give and whether those numbers match up. It doesn't, how other people love and how other people love me isn't a measure of me. It's a measure of them and their abilities. And I always said that, but I never, I never felt it. I don't care. It doesn't cost a dime to be a good person. It doesn't cost a dime to love unconditionally. It doesn't cost a damn thing to give compassion and patience. It doesn't. And I always felt like, yeah, that's true, but there's a sense of owing. There's a sense of debt. There's a sense of deserving. And I always hate that term. I always used to say that. I hate the term, you deserve better, you deserve more. And because I would always say, well, if I if I deserved more, why don't I get it? What What's in the way? Either someone is lacking and not holding up their end of the bargain. If they're not, If I'm not getting what I deserve, you are not holding up your end of the bargain. Or maybe I'm not a good enough person. Maybe I'm truly not a good person and I don't deserve it. But it's not that, right? There's no like grand scoreboard. This isn't the Super Bowl. This is life. There's no grand scoreboard where people keep tallies and marks. Or it's not Santa Claus. You're not like fucking Santa Claus. Like not, not like, man, that's that's fucking Rick James. I mean, like you're not fuck. You're not having sex with Santa Claus, and you're not fucking Santa Claus. And Santa Claus is keeping a, a naughty or nice list and keeping track of whether you've been good or not. And whenever they have an interaction with you, they check it twice. It's not like that, right? People give what they give. 
and whether they can or should or would or whatever, that's on them. You just got to accept the things that you can, you got to accept the things you can't accept, right? And you can change the things that you can change. You accept what they give you. You have no right to know why or how much they could give or what. You, that's not in your wheelhouse. But you can control what you give in return and the love that you give. And people will see that and people will appreciate that. People will see that you're giving 100%. And you may not always get 100% in return. You may get nothing in return. Look at my situation with Ivy, right? I would take a bullet for this. I would catch a grenade for love, dude. I would, you know, put my hand on a blade for love. I would step in front of a train for love. But she wouldn't do the same, right? I don't think she would, at least. If she would, we should have a conversation. But you know what I mean? Like, I would I would catch a grenade for this. Like, I would throw my hand on a blade for this. And, you know, she won't do the same. And that's that's a measure of her. That's not a measure of me. It may not be healthy. It may not be the best thing in the world. It may not. I should be putting that energy towards someone else who reciprocates my feelings, um, which is, again, difficult just because of of life in general um, and my own issues that I'm still working on, like, you know, starting like the the acceptance or the belief in the acceptance that someone could want me, um, which, again, Cleo helped me with a lot, certainly. Um, But, of course, you know, I always say that shit. it's, It's not that people don't want me it's that the people that i want don't want me right that's that's the reality of the situation the point is that's not a measure right it it, the measure it's not that hey like i'm you know the blade or the train or the grenade it's not that the measure is the fact that i even put in the effort that i love that i'm willing to love and that says more about me than it does about her right it says everything about me that I'm willing to do all this, that, and the other, and I, I'm willing to put myself out there, be vulnerable, give and receive love and compassion and patience and, and and truly put in the effort and the time and the consideration, that's a measure of me. And if that's how we're measuring me, that's a great measurement to have, right? It's not my weight. It's not my height. It's not the the length of my male genitalia. It's not my shoe size. It's not... It's not anything like that. It's not my vision. The number that matters, the score that matters. It's not a score again because we don't keep score. But like totally, the measurement that matters is the measure of how much love I'm willing to give. That's a measure that I'm proud of. And it, like I said, it's, I'd rather be measured on that than my weight or my height or anything like that. So that's what I've gained from this year is that, you know, this past year has taught me a lot of things, but it certainly taught me that, what I mean at the end of the day, I I guess it's the right. It's this is gonna sound so stupid because I I taught I was taught this lesson when I was younger, and it was uh, this was taught by the principal of John Hanley High School. Was it was it him? I'm pretty sure it was him. The principal of John Hanley High School um, when I was a, a freshman and sophomore there. So my, the first principal I had. At Hanley, what I would say, it's right to do right. As simple as that, it's right to do right. And you think, yeah, obviously, it's right to do right. It's a truism. But again, I was saying this in another episode, it, we spend our life, we spend our entire lifetime uh, hearing these cliches, 
and then assigning meaning to them. And we f- it, we hear a cliche when we're younger and it seems so simple, but the simplest cliches are the ones that we spend a lifetime, um, you know, assigning meaning to. And so when you hear that it's right to do right, which I think it might even have been from Winchester Public Schools, from like even from Virginia Avenue, that might have even been from Virginia Avenue. It is right to do right, and it it's not a measure of anyone else. It's a measure of you that you do the right thing, that you give love, you give patience, you give pa- compassion, you give consideration, you put in effort, you put in time, you be all that you can be. And if people don't return that, that's fine, dude. That's a measure of them. They'll be judged whenever, wherever. They'll get what is coming to them. They'll get what they deserve. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Because, you know, there's this there's this song, uh, I Don't Know Why. I think it's called Don't Know Why by Kid Rock. And there's this line that says, uh, you know, you get what you put you get what you put in and people get what they deserve. And then he goes on to say, But I ain't seen mine, I ain't seen mine, I've been given, I just ain't been getting. I've been walking that straight line. And I always felt that way. Like, you know, you get what you I do believe that people get what they put in. I do believe that people get what they deserve. But I felt I always felt like I haven't seen mine. And that's because I can't expect to get mine from other people. I can't, I can't truly get what I put in and get what I deserve from others. Because they're not putting it in. They're not the ones putting it in. It's like a IRA. It's like a Roth IRA, right? They're not putting it in. I'm putting it in. And so therefore I get what I deserve. I get what I put in. Uh, and if they were putting it in, I would get it. But anyway, that's a weird analogy. It's whatever. But I always felt that way. It's like, well, I'm not getting what I put in. I'm not getting what I deserve. And that's because I was always expecting to get it from other people and not from myself. And I get it now that you get what you put in from yourself. And it comes around eventually. Eventually it gets there. It takes a long time. Um, you know, the, the, the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small with patience. He stands waiting. With exactness grinds he all. And that's that's my favorite poem. But it, it's true. You do get what you put in. Um, but it comes it comes from you. It comes back to you. So that's my lesson. That's what I've learned this year is the rewards are intrinsic. And, you know, that that attracts people that will give. That you know what I mean? You're not, you're not, you can't force, you can't tell someone that they love you. You can't force someone to give you what you put in, but you can be the best that you can be, be all that you can be. You can do right, even if it, it doesn't seem to have an immediate payout, right? And eventually it'll work out. And I have faith in that. So that's, that's all I got for you tonight. I'm sorry. This was a long one. I probably will split this up just to make it easier. Um, everyone who was there for me this year, everyone who's been a part of this journey, um, not just this past year, but my entire life. Anyone who's, who's played a part in my life, no matter how large, no matter how small, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're a part of my life. So, uh, you know, do I have a suggestion or like a, a recommendation? Tell someone you love that you love them. That's my recommendation. Tell someone, even if it's someone you don't talk to, even if it's your ex-girlfriend, tell someone you love that you love them. Um, because you never know, like I said, the most there's no phrase in the English language more perfect 
than I love you too. And I mean that, right? There's truly no no phrase more perfect in our language than I love you too. And you never know if, like with my dad, you never know if that's the last thing that you're going to say to someone. So you should tell tell who, tell the people that you love that you love them. Um, I love you all very much. I know that if you're listening, you're someone that I love, and I'm comfortable saying that I love you very much. Um I don't care if you love me back, <laughs> right? Because it's about me. Uh, it's a measure of me. Anyway, but please love me back. No, but anyway, um, thank you for listening. This has been another humble episode of Late Nights with Lance. Uh, I hope to, I was going to say hear from y'all. Uh, I'll see you I'll see all around real soon. All right, so this has been another episode of Late Nights with Lance. Uh, you know, love y'all very much. Peace.